How many of you have been part of a team in your life before? At school, perhaps, on a school project? Yeah, keep your hands up. Maybe at work, on a work project, uh, on a sports team, maybe. I grew up doing team sports uh, constantly, and there's some things that uh, I've learned about. That's okay. Thank you. Very, very good. Uh, about 80% of you raised your hand. So if you've not been part of a team ever in your life, I want to tell you a little bit about teamwork. <laughs> is that uh, when you've been part of a, a team that doesn't work so well, is it easy to know? Yes. Yeah. It's draining, it's, and uh, things, uh, you feel like perhaps you're giving more than the other participants, and they sometimes get, uh, uh, it just kind of goes goes poorly. But what happens when a team works well? You succeed, right? You generally accomplish what you set out to accomplish. You hope you do, or at least if you don't, then you've had a good time attempting it, right? Uh, a, a functional team uh, works more effectively together. There's a lot more joy, cohesion. Uh, it just makes things better. Um, we're stronger together when we work well together. And here's what the Bible says, that when God calls you into a relationship with Christ, just like we heard in the video with Amanda, that he, he calls you also to life together with other people in the church. And the two really are inseparable. Uh, God doesn't call us to relationship with Christ just for your individual life to be better. Just for you to know more peace or uh, to somehow have uh, extra things in your life. That's not the primary reason that God calls you to Christ. God calls you to Christ individually so that collectively you can be connected with other people. It's kind of like a team. That's what the church is at least not less than a team, but the church is much more than, than just a team. And God calls us together for a purpose because the church, the Bible says, the church is God's primary instrument for touching the world with his love and his grace. The church remains God's primary instrument. This is what the Bible says, to touch the world with his love and and his grace. In our passage today, Ephesians chapter 4, open your Bibles there. Ephesians chapter 4. In this passage, we hear how God unifies the church, how he grows the church up in spiritual maturity, and how he deepens love between members of the church. And so much of this happens in the way that we serve one another. And how important that is to the whole aspect. I'm not, uh, we don't have time today to read the entire passage. I encourage you this week, maybe even today, to go back and read verses 1 through 16. I'm going to identify a few verses as we go along together and really have three, three big ideas that I want to talk with you about. But it's all about the church being like a team, but so much more than just a team. Number one is that when God called you in Christ, He also called you to be unified in the church. To be unified in the church. Listen to verse 1 of chapter 4, the book of Ephesians. As a prisoner for the Lord then, Paul literally was a prisoner, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. That's a sermon in itself. That's a heavy statement for people who are serious in their pursuit of Jesus. I urge you, I urge you, I plead with you, and I hold a mirror up to myself, to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. What is this calling? We have been called in Christ 
to forgiveness of sin. We've been called in Christ out of abandonment and isolation and to be in fellowship with God and with brothers and sisters in the church. We have been called in Christ to a radical reorientation of our lives. That is the calling of Christ. It's not to a social club and it's not just to do good things in the world. God has called you in Christ to be radically reoriented in the way you think, the things that are important to you, what becomes the centerpiece around which your life will revolve. No more for yourself, but allowing God to be front and center in all things for you. I urge you to live your life worthy of the calling. Wow. What a great invitation. He goes on in verse 3 and he says, uh, make every effort then. How do we live a life? Part of it is making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Well, unity is great. We, We like to talk about unity. Right? We love to talk about unity in the government, unity in, in the world, unity in sports teams, unity at work. We, we love the idea of unity, but doing the hard work to preserve unity, eh, that, that can be a little harder for us at times. He tells us in verse 2, he, gives, he describes three graces that God gives to help us in, in making every effort to keep the unity. He describes humility and gentleness And what else? Patience. Humility, gentleness, and patience. Sounds a lot like the character of Jesus to me, does it to you? In fact, we're on the verge of our Christmas season. Next Sunday is our first Sunday of Advent. And the title of our series is going to be Get Ready. He's Coming. Remember saying the Get Ready Marine signs around a few years ago? They started doing the storm preparedness. That's kind of the idea that I want to communicate in the four weeks of Advent. is to prepare our hearts because we get to rehearse again Jesus' coming. One of the great aspects of our understanding of Jesus coming into the world at Christmas is that he humbled himself. The whole idea of Jesus leaving all of the, the advantages of heaven and coming to live on earth among us. Emmanuel literally means God with us. The Bible in Philippians chapter 2 describes that as, as God's work of, of not considering that something worthy of being grasped, that He was willing to humble Himself to fulfill the work that the Father had for Him to do on our behalf. That is humility. Humility and patience with one another, gentleness with one another. If we live in these three graces alone, the unity in the church, the unity in this church would be so much more greatly enhanced if I would live more regularly in patience and gentleness and humility with you and, and you with me. You see, living in these strengthens us to be able to keep the unity of the Spirit. You are called to Christ in order to be unified in the church. There's another aspect in this passage that Paul highlights for us, and it is to be called to Christ is to be called to build up the church. There are two metaphors used uh, in verses 11 uh, on down, 11 to 16. One is of a building, 
And what you think about building, I don't know if many of you are builders, I'm not, but I sure appreciate buildings that get completed. You know what I'm talking about? Could you imagine your house or your apartment today if it never was complete? If the walls were never finished and a roof wasn't put on or appliances were not installed, you, you appreciate the work of people who complete the building. They, they build it up and it's completed. Part of the picture we're given in the scripture is that you and I are called in Christ to be those focused on the building up of the church. He uses the other metaphor that, that uh, Grace so wonderfully described for us, and that's the church being like a body. And, and each member of the church is like a different body part, and each has a, a very special function. How many of you are happy to lose a body part? Nobody? Are all the parts, the pieces of your body, you want to keep them? Because they serve some function. So it is in the church. We are called to unity so that we together can, can live out the, the God-ordained role that He has given me as a man or as a woman. He's given us to, to live and to sort out together in the church. We're called together. This building so that we can build up the church, so that the church can, can be uh, held together as each part does its work. Here's, here's how service works in the church, how we serve one another. You see, God's people are called to serve, and your service in the church matters. Here's, here's how it works, that God calls you to new life in Him, and you respond. That's in the early part of Ephesians chapter 2. It describes how God has called you, He's, he's redeemed your life, so you, you're called to new life, and you respond to Christ. And then God both reshapes your life, He reorients you around the things that matter to God, and He prepares you for service opportunities. In fact, it says that you are God's workmanship. You are the masterpiece of God as you allow Him to reshape and reorient your life, and then... He is preparing good works for you to do in advance. Things that today you don't even know that He's preparing ahead for you to do. But that is the, the great grace of God. God calls you to new life and then He reshapes and prepares your life for the opportunities that He's preparing for you. And then in our chapter, verse uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, it says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is Paul's retelling. Or a second telling of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that to each one God's Spirit is given. When you give your life to Christ, the Spirit comes and dwells you, and God gifts you, not just for your, your own enjoyment of the gift God has for you, but God gives you and me gifts of the Spirit that we might deploy for the benefit of the church. It is that which God calls you to collect up and to give back in service. That, that's the point of spiritual gifts. So God calls you to new life. He reshapes and reorients your life and He prepares good works ahead of the time for you to do. And then He equips you. He, he gifts you with spiritual gifts 
So that the church is no longer just a team. The church becomes so much more than a team because the presence and Spirit of God is with us. And then leaders in verse 11 and 12 are called to to help prepare people for their service. In verse 11, it says that it was He, God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. In verse 16, from Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each member fulfills her place in the church, as each member fulfills his spiritual gift in the church for the benefit of the church, for the common good is the way Paul says it in 1 Corinthians. For the common good, not just for my good. I'm so enthused about 2019 for many reasons. One of them is that we are preparing a process for helping uh, those of you who would desire to be guided more uh, clearly into best fits for ministry And we're developing a process uh, to help guide you in that. And I want to encourage you to stay tuned for that as there's some very exciting things, I think, coming to help you be equipped for the, the very things that God wants for you. Let me summarize. Every Christ follower, very quickly, you're called to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. You are called to serve. God has gifted you to serve. And you were reminded today that your service is important. Because the result of our service is this, that together when we serve one another, that through that serving of each other, the church is strengthened. Our unity is cemented more concretely together and we spiritually grow. So when you serve the Lord in the church, the church's unity is stronger. And the church's spiritual growth collectively gets deeper and more substantial. That is what the Apostle Paul describes here. He says in verse 13 that people are to be prepared for the works so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the result of our serving one another in the church is that our unity and our spiritual growth is amplified. The result of our service in the church is that we cannot avoid people that are more difficult for us to deal with. And that's part of the point. Part of the point is that God brings together different people in the church. Aren't you grateful that we're not called to sameness? How pathetic would the church be if we were called to sameness? If you had to think exactly like I do, or look like me, or do everything that I do, or vice versa, aren't you glad that the church is not called to sameness? That we're not called to look alike? We're called to look like Jesus. Can I get an amen? Aren't you glad? 
I hope you're glad. Maybe you've never thought about it that way. But God has called us to unity. And part of your spiritual growth and the unifying effect of the church is that we are forced at times to be with those who are maybe people that are more difficult for us. Sometimes you're forced to be with me. And I may be more difficult for you to be around. But that's part of the growth and the invitation for growth in the church. The church grows mature and unified through our service. Finally today, is that when you're called to Christ, you're called to love. We love to talk about love. And love a good thing. Grace, I was thinking when you asked what the mouth is used for, I was thinking it was it's used for kissing. Love. Love is a good thing, right? In the world, we, we love in the world to talk about tolerance, and that's been a buzzword for some time now. But the more I think about tolerance as a word, I, I think it's a flimsy word for the church. I think tolerance is a flabby word for the church. I get the idea that we need to be inclusive and understanding, but you know, the church is not called to tolerance. The church is called to something higher and better, and it's to love. To love others in the way Jesus has loved you. To love other people the way that Jesus loves them. And to take that love and to learn to embody His love in your life. And when you do that, my friends, you don't need tolerance. Because you've got love. We are called to Christ. And in so being called to Him, we are called to love. Believers in the church are empowered for more than, than, than other groups because we have the presence of God to become like Him in love. I love when Dr. Munire was here and he reminded us that we are called to love God and to love others and to love our enemies. We are called to love. We are called to love when it's not easy. We are called to love when others may, may not deserve it. The Bible says in verse 2 of chapter 4, it says that we are to bear with one another in love. That the church is to be built up together in love. In 1 Corinthians 12, a, a very similar passage to this, different in many ways, but similar theme. The Apostle Paul is talking about how, um, how the church comes together and, and different parts, different people have different parts to play. But every person and every part is significant. And then right on the heels of his description of God gifting the church and the function of the church, here's what he says about love. It's for the church. He says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. He's been talking about amazing spiritual gifts. He's been talking about speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues and uh, acts of healing and all these amazing things. And now he says, church, I will show you now a more excellent way. Listen, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge... And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and surrender my body to the flames and martyr them, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 
It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Not because it's a great concept for conversation. Real love is the love of Christ that He sows in individual hearts like yours and mine, and that He wraps a church in, not for our not for us to be perfect to each other, but for us to learn to love each other, so that we can learn to be patient and gentle, so that we can learn to speak the truth in love to each other. We can learn to have gospel conversations to build each other up. Not to have other conversations that undermine the church. I'm burdened for our church. I'm burdened for our church. Because I'm not sure we are today at the healthiest of places together. And it grieves me. So I invite you with me to be seeking the Lord about the purity of our congregation. And about our ability to love each other. I'm praying that God would purify my heart. And I'd invite you to pray the same. I'm grieved because I don't think we're all that God wants us to be as a body together right now. Am I living worthy of my calling in Christ? That's part of my prayer in the coming days. I invite it to be your prayer as well. Not for other people, but for yourself. I'm concerned that... Well... I'm concerned... That we are too quick to assume the worst in others instead of assuming the best. I'm concerned that instead of talking to each other, we're talking about and around each other. I'm concerned because I don't think it's the way God would have us be together. I want you to know that if there are issues in your heart or mind, that my door is always open and that you can come and talk to me. Part of my prayer in the coming days is asking the Lord, am I living worthy of my calling in Christ? Am I seeking the unity of the church? Am I eager to do that?
Or am I waiting for others to take on that responsibility and shirking what God has called me as an individual believer to be building up the church? Am I serving the church so that Tiburon Baptist Church can grow tall and grow vigorous and to become mature? That's when the Lord is blessed and desires to bless. Father, we pray today, as we all come as imperfect people, none of us have it all figured out, none of us have you figured out, none of us know everything we need to know about love or about the church or about our life together, and we all, we all misstep. God, it's not my job or my place to judge motives, it's none of our place to do that, but... We pray that the way we interact with each other would be wrapped in love so that we, that I, might live worthy of my calling in Christ. That every person in this room who claims the name of Jesus would offer this up as their prayer as well. Asking, just as as David did in the Psalms, to, to seek my heart to examine me and help me know if there's any impure way in me. So God, we invite you to purify us. Purify us so that we can be a church that pleases you and honors you, we pray. You have loved us. You call us to love each other. And when we're loving each other well, then then we are ready to go and love on the world. So God, help us to love. Help us to be unified in love. Help us to be built up in love. And forgive us when we're not. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray together. Amen.